When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hola amigos, this is Ray Hudson from Being Sports and Sirius XMFC, and you are listening to Barça Talk. Today on Barça Talk, FC Barcelona traveled to the south of Spain, where their lethargic performance earned them a draw. With a lack of direct play, injuries, and age, Barcelona will be tested in their next match against Athletic Bilbao, as Real Madrid are keeping the pressure. Also, Frankie de Jong could be out for a month, and former Barca assistant Juan Carlos Unzue has been diagnosed with ALS. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Gabriel Quiroga here in Madrid, and with me to talk about the latest Barca news and the match review of Sevilla from Miami is Alejandro Villegas. Alejandro, hombre, ¿qué tal? How are you, man? I'm good. Uh, pretty hot. Not 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 so hot watching Barcelona, but I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm feeling good today. We haven't seen Real Madrid play yet at the moment that we're recording this, so I feel good for now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny that you said hot because here in Madrid, it just the switch, as we like to call it here in Madrid, just got flipped. So today is about 30 degrees Celsius, so it's you know 90. But it just feels it always feels hotter here in Madrid because we have no trees really and. The buildings are so close together. So right now I'm recording in the dark right now. <laughs> <laughs> recording in darkness here. Here in Miami is just humid, man. It's I mean, it's getting hot. It's uh, summer's obviously coming and, and, and it's getting hotter and hotter, but it's just very, very humid right now. I mean, at least you have the beach, you know, and I'm very we jealous. Do, we do have the beach, but that's that's a dangerous spot right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Well, we have a lot to get out to talk about with Barcelona. So let's get in the first thing that just really came came out this morning. That's the Frankie Dijon injury. Um, you know, in the statement from FC Barcelona, they said the clinical follow up on Frankie Dijon has uncovered an injury in the soleus, which is the calf muscle of his right leg. The evolution of the injury will condition the player's availability. So here today in Madrid, they were saying that, and also on Catalan Radio, that he's going to be out for a month. And wow, this is a huge blow, Alejandro. It's it's a month, but it's a it's a different month, right? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. in a normal season, you miss what three, four games. If you have yeah. Champions League, you miss you miss maybe five, five six games. Yeah. But now. Playing every three, four days, it's 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 gonna be bad, especially in that position. And we were talking yeah. about in our in our post game show about how or why Busquets plays so much, and 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 you said that Dion was was the other option, right? That sure. play in that position, and now so now we have this news. So it's it's like two bad news in one, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you don't have anybody else, so now you have to figure something out to give Busquets sometimes. A little bit of rest, right? Because he's not going to play all the games all the time. So, and I don't know, I don't know what the answer is right now. Uh, I mean, you have you you're probably going to have to put Rakitic or, or Arthur there to to see if they can do something. But it's it's I don't know. I'm 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 a little worried. I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> I mean, this is this was the big problem, right? We already had a thin midfield bench, and with any injury, like you said, especially now, a month is basically the whole season now. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, if you want to be creative, you can maybe put Arahu up there and maybe 
try him out and see because I don't think he's going to be any worse than anyone else, right? I think he could do something. Again, I always bring back Todibo would have been nice to have in this yes, situation, this, right? This would be the perfect spot for him. Yeah, and, and again, as we saw, I mean, obviously we're going to dissect the game on Friday, but again, there is a huge problem with this midfield with speed, direct of play, aggressiveness, and like you just said, with Busquets going to be playing more, that just hurts us even worse. I mean, you know, like you said, Rakitic can help there, but obviously we lose someone on the right side now. It's just a, it's a whole domino effect that yeah. goes on. It's not only that we're going to have to play old Busquets and tired Busquets, which yeah. that combination is not going to be good, and and it's 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 going to affect the game. And we saw it on on Friday against Sevilla. We saw how players just blew past him, and yeah, and it was so frustrating to watch. I'm like, run, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's and, and 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 like you said, you you can you can even put I don't know, you can put some other people there maybe a defender maybe even if we had another guy i would put Piquet there because he's such a guy that sure that, that, that and he even likes to go forward right like which is yeah. something that that busquets doesn't do very often so we see more of a uh, Piquet on the other box than we see busquets we never see busquets over sure. there trying to be a or score a goal so but the thing is we don't have anybody else on defense unless you want to put araujo and and Lenglet and then put uh PK a, a little bit more in in the midfield, but that we know we know that's not going to happen. They're, yeah, they're, I would say maybe this maybe unlocks Setien to maybe use a three back system. Well, you know, just like you said, like having PK Rahu and Longley, for example. Then all of a sudden, you just have to use more flexibility with Semedo and Alba and trying to use them more as midfield slash wingers, and maybe that unlocks that system. Yeah, I, I was talking uh, about this with Cole. We mm -hmm. said this could be a good opportunity to see if Setien goes back to the three-five-two. But we were talking about this uh, two or three weeks uh, ago before mm -hmm. the, the season re started again. Because we said, okay, he's going to have time to maybe practice it, even though they didn't have a lot of time to practice with the entire squad. But they, they went back to the 4-3-3 or 4-4-2 that they're playing yeah. right now. They, they, yeah. they, went, they went back to the Valverde tactics. Yeah. So... I don't know that that could be an option, but the thing is, we don't we don't have wings, right? So you you have to put Semedo and Alba there, and and maybe learn a system that it's very complicated for for uh, for soccer players, especially if they if they haven't done it a lot. Because sure. Barcelona, how long? When was the last time you remember Barcelona playing three in the back? Maybe the, the, that first time that Setien, the first the very first game that yeah. Setien came in when when Sergio Roberto was playing in, in the right back position or, or as one of the three central defenders but that's not something that Barcelona players are used to do right so it's hard sure. it's hard for them to learn it right now in the middle of the season fighting for the La Liga title that's why it's just it's just super complicated right now especially with the I mean for for me it's the age of the midfield right now but on top of that having your youngest midfielder hurt you know one of your youngest that really hurts. And just like you said, it's a domino effect because now everyone else has to cover. So yeah, it's, it's really tricky. Unfortunately, it looks like, you know, anywhere they say minimum two games up to a month, right? So it could be, that's pretty much the whole season. So unfortunately we're, we're sad to hear that news. Now, some other uh, sad news, former Barca assistant coach Juan Carlos Unsue has been diagnosed with ALS. And, you know, he was the assistant under Luis Enrique, and mo most recently he was coaching Celta Viga first season, and obviously with uh, Sporting Gijon and um, actually Hirona, sorry Hirona, and um, you know 
I when the on Twitter when the news came out that this press conference was happening, I was like, "What's going on? Why is Barca involved?" I didn't understand really all that, but then I realized once you know with the ALS connection, and unfortunately, he already looks like in bad shape, Alejandro. Like during the press conference, his arms were twitching the whole time, and obviously, ALS is a you know it's a nervous system disease, and it's it's really sad because there is no cure, and so they're teaming up with Barcelona and with ALS here in Spain to obviously bring more awareness. And they're going to start like a funding campaign as well to bring more money to research. I remember uh, watching this documentary that Barcelona has in their website with Luis Enrique and all his coaching staff. And we saw a lot of the of the uh, work that uh, Juan Carlos Unzue did there. He was he was very important for the for that era with Luis Enrique. And that was probably the last time we saw some sort of a beautiful game coming from Barca, right? With, yeah, that, yeah. with those years, uh, with Luis Enrique winning the Champions League. I mean, I, and that's those are part of the good memories that I have with, with Juan Carlos Unzue. He, he, he then went on and, and, like you said, he had a, a little career as, as a coach. It didn't go as yeah. he probably expected. But it's it's very important for, for Barca fans to remember that he was part of that coaching staff that brought sure. so much joy before the Valverde and Setien era. So, I mean, it's it's beautiful to remember people for for what they've done too. And it's it's hopefully he he gets better. It's it's nice that the team uh, it's helping with this. That's yeah. That's um something good that Barcelona is doing after all the bad that they've done in this season. <laughs> so, so we we have to we have to give him our our right hand in this one. Yeah, yeah. And I would say, you know, my memory, too, is just the collaboration he would always have with Luis Enrique on the touchline. You know, we, you know, obviously Setien now with um, his assistant, he has more collaboration. So it's good to see that. But with Valverde, it was something we were missing. Yeah. Um, just kind of just seeing that assistant. And yeah. obviously, he was mostly front and center. Just like you said, he went to Celta and, and uh, Girona. You know, he didn't have the success that I thought. I thought he was going to have more success because I thought he was yeah. a good coach and a good communicator. Who was the uh, assistant coach for Valverde? Yeah, with some guy that was up in the coaching in the coaching booth. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. That's why because I I don't remember like anybody yeah. talking to Valverde during during games like. But but I, I watched the the match day documentary mm -hmm. and and I saw that they they had like a video, video yeah. guy that used to go down and talk to him. Right that was the assistant. Okay. That was the assistant okay. coach, right? And that's the thing is like I don't remember his name off the top of my head, you know. No. And it's one of, one of those things is he was out of sight, out of mind, you know. And again. Unsway, unfortunately, you know, this is kind of a death sentence with this disease. And, you know, hopefully he'll be able to, you know, uh, have a long lasting life as much as possible. But it's really nice to see Barca, you know, putting together this foundation and getting together with ALS. Let's get to some other La Liga news. Um, this actually happened at two in the morning here in Spain, Alejandro. This was this is what they I like to say, classic public relations you know, type yeah, they, of press release, you know, they throw it so, in a dead time, right? Exactly. Exactly. So what happened was yesterday, Betis lost to athletic Bilbao in Bilbao and they lost one, nothing. And, you know, Ruby was the coach and obviously we know him from Barca, uh, from Espanol and um, what he did with them was pretty remarkable. And, you know, last night it was basically win or go home for him and they lost. And so now he got fired. So at two in the morning, Betis did a press release that they were splitting ways And they were going with another coach. And I just I just think it's an interesting chain of events because, you know, if Betis keeps Kike Setien, this doesn't happen. Right. And I think yeah. a lot of Betis fans now looking back, they should have kept him because I think he was a better fit for that club. But then he comes to Barca. Ruby goes to, you know, leaves Espanol for 
for Betis because it's quote unquote a better job. And then now you're seeing Espanol's by, fighting for relegation because they don't have the toughness that they had with Ruby. Betis is in a bad spot. So it's just really incredible, this chain reaction. And honestly, they were saying here, Alejandro, that Ruby may not get another job because of what he's done in his last three stops of just leaving the club or getting fired. Yeah, so he's probably going to have to go to the second division or something. To, yeah. To maybe try to bring a, a team back to, to first division. Now, it's 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 funny because you talk about Setien and the Betis uh, years, and we remember, or, or I remember that, that that last game that Setien uh, had with Betis against Barca when they, they mm -hmm. beat him at Camp Nou 4-3. Yeah. And I was so impressed with that team. I'm like, how this guy figured something out to beat Barcelona the way they did at Camp Nou playing their their same style that, yeah. so that's why i was so intrigued when they picked setien i was like, okay that's that's maybe i see why they did it it's it's like when you when you buy a player that just scored like three or four goals against you in the champions league you're okay mm -hmm. let me buy this guy and then yeah. when you bring him you're like well he doesn't really work with us so, <laughs> i mean he's very good don't, don't get yeah. me wrong he's very good but he's just not is not the same fit right with with the team but hopefully hopefully it gets better let me let me stop right there hopefully yeah <laughs> i mean you know after the game on on what was it friday night yeah i realized that you are the optimist now and i'm the pessimist with this because i kept hammering the negative and you kept saying well it's they they did this and this and and i appreciate that but my <laughs> my one my one point is you know just like you said we were impressed with that betty side especially when they beat you know i think they tied and they beat barcelona those two times but not only the the, the style of play that they look dynamic fresh a new tactical system and some and he knew how to beat barcelona and all of a sudden he's in barcelona And he's just falling into the same pattern, you know? And so, again, we're going to talk more about this with the Sevilla, but let's move on to the next thing, and that's Madrid. So <laughs> Madrid is playing tonight in the best city in Spain, in San Sebastian. This is this is going to be – I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this game because I love the way Real Sociedad plays. And mainly it's because their midfield is so young and dynamic and direct and 1v1, everything I would want in a midfield, you know? <laughs> and so they're playing, like they're playing tonight. We're recording now. They haven't played yet. They play tonight, 10 p.m. local time. And again, Madrid beat Valencia over the week, you know, on Thursday, 3-0. And of course, all the praise was coming for Benzema as being this great striker. Now, my question for you, Alejandro, I, I'm going to tell you first. I don't think he's great. But I don't think he's good. I think he's in between there. Okay, Where, how does Benzema rate for you as a striker or a number nine player? That that's the thing. I, I don't I don't see him as a as a pure number nine. Okay, so, so that's that's why uh, when you see the difference. So let's say you could have a Benzema and a Luis Suarez playing together, and that would be yeah. fine because Benzema is it's such a good like creator. He's, uh -huh. he's not just that guy that's gonna stay in the box and and just wait for for something to happen. So when, when I see Benzema, I see uh, what I would like to see from Griezmann. Let's say, like, be okay. more creative and, and be more open and 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 and, and be more proactive in in your sure. attack. Right. So move on one side, move on the other side. Be part. You mean of like what? You mean like what he did with Atletico? Yes, yes. Be, okay. be, just okay. being more involved with the team. So uh, okay. focusing on Benzema, I will say, and, and I was telling my, my Madridistas friends, I'm like, you guys are so such a horrible fan base. 
they hate they hate Benzema because he, I know he he's, he I know he has sometimes when he just doesn't score goals for like sure, six sure. or seven games, so they get frustrated and of they course. hate him. And I'm like, no, this is one of the best guys that has played for Real Madrid in the last couple of decades. You just maybe he went under the radar because of. Cristiano Ronaldo, and of course, nobody's sure. going to be like Cristiano Ronaldo. But that's that's a player that we all want to want to have in our team because I know I understand that he's he's not consistent all the time throughout his career. But when you see his numbers, you see a striker that that's that's very important in La Liga and, and for Real Madrid. So I think, that, like like you said, he's not like he's not uh, Ronaldo el fenomeno. He's not. Yeah. Uh, but I will put him like with Samuel Eto'o right there. He's 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 he's, oh, he's, okay. he's on that right. level uh, of of quality of, of, of as a player. He's not a superstar. We're not gonna remember him like we remember Maradona or or Platini or Cruyff, right? Sure. He's not gonna be that guy. That, oh, or Zidane, or Zidane. Zinedine Zidane would be another guy like that. But he's gonna be a player that would be on, on that second tier for me. So my main contention is that I just believe that most of his goals come in non-big game moments. I mean, do you consider, again, this La Liga match after the pandemic against Valencia a big game? I mean, I wouldn't, right? Well, and it, it was a big game. It was a big game, but the, the I mean, and that I, I think that was an important game. And, and, and he that's scored. Different. He that's scored, different. He scored against Atletico, too, in this season. That okay, okay but let me, ask you, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If yeah. I ask you to tell me the Kareem Benzema game. <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't have yeah. one like that. You exactly. know, you know That's who has, you know who has those moments. Gareth Bale. He's so good at just scoring in Champions League finals and and those games that you'll always remember. That's the thing. But you that's, have a, to, that's all I wanted you to go to. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's the thing. I just think, you know, I think Benzema, like I said, I don't think he's great and I don't think he's good. I just think he's right in the middle of that, yeah. right? Obviously, just like you said, he's had an illustrious career at Madrid scoring so many goals. But I just, in my mind, there are always goals against, for example, Leganes or Celta Vigo. I mean, it was a nice performance he had against Valencia, but also take in mind Valencia is just not that strong this year, right? I mean, they had a better first half in that match yeah. and they kind of gave up. But anyway, I just, I was just curious to see you <laughs> because, you know, I was listening to all the news and everyone was flipping out here in Madrid about Benzema scoring two goals. And they're like, but before that he hadn't scored in five games or something like this. And so that's, that was my main contention anyway, yeah. big game tonight. So, because obviously if Barcelona or if Madrid win tonight, they take over first place because they obviously had the head to head. And so that's why it's going to, are you going to watch the match? Yeah, of course. We we yep. always, as Barca fans, as Barca followers, we always watch Real Madrid, right? Because we <laughs> have to see we have to see our rival, and we're always yeah. rooting for for the other team. And I was watching the the Valencia game the other day, and when the when the first goal came on the, from Valencia, and then they yeah, they, did you jump up? They, they took it away. <laughs> no, no, I was watching because I knew with the thing with this Real Madrid is that you know that even if they're not playing that great, they can score a goal uh, because they're so direct. All the time that even though when they're not playing uh, a great game, because I remember the the one they lost against Betis that uh, that very last game before the the pandemic, they mm-hmm. they were playing just horrible. They were yep. they were having just a, a bad game and they were tying the game. So I'm yeah. like, they're just one kick away, one corner kick away or whatever to win this game and and take over the the, the La Liga first uh, position. So. That's that's what I, the feeling I get from this Real Madrid, and that's why I guess it's it's so interesting watching them because I I don't really like the way they play most of the time, 
even though they're they're more they're more direct, right, than Barcelona. It's it's a different yeah. type of game, so you know it's gonna be some sort of interesting because of that. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch. I, I always watch Real Madrid. Yeah, I'm gonna be the biggest uh, Sociedad fan tonight, so for sure. <laughs> uh, all right, before we get into the Sevilla match, I just want to talk about our Patreon community. You know, Alejandro, we've been doing the post game show. You know, since the since we returned back to La Liga, but you know, this past week we did four videos for our patrons. We did two with Mariana's pregame things, looking before the Legana Sevilla match. And then you and I did a, the post game match, immediate reactions where I was very very negative, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> so obviously, we're continuing to make a huge push to grow our Patreon community. Obviously, providing exclusive content from Spain. Obviously, with me being in Madrid and Mariana being in Barcelona, and I think that's really cool. So, you know, for just for the month of uh, June, we put out the full oral history of the 2007-2008 season. We've done videos with Mariana, who's in Barcelona, and then obviously our post-game shows, which I've been really enjoying because. I feel it's almost like a therapy session, you know, that it's immediate <laughs> right after the match. And so obviously we want to get more interactives. I mean, we, we, you know, we just started, so we posted on that, but you know, last week we were able to get some questions and it's just fun because like I said, it's a good therapy se session and, you know, for five bucks a month, you can help support the podcast so we can continue making content for Barca fans like you, you know, obviously just click on the show notes and it'll take you directly to our Patreon page. It's really easy. And now for our Barca talk guard of honor for patrons who will help fund the podcast, Carlos Valladares, Mark Lemke, my Moscow mule partner, Oliver Nevin, Sebastian Andrews, Jimena Quiroga Lee. Thank you for support and helping us continue to create Barca content from Spain. Now, after the break, we'll get into the Sevilla match. All right. So, oh my gosh, it feels like it was so long ago, but it was Friday night. <laughs> it was Friday night, match yeah. day 29 at the Ramon Sanchez Juan. Obviously, not the result we wanted. It was a 0 0 tie, no goals, barely any shots, barely any occasions. Our lineup was Terstegan, Semedo, PK, Longley, Jordi Alba, Vidal, Busquets, Rakitic, Braithwaite, Suarez, and Messi. Now, going through the key stats, Alejandro, the, the two stats that kind of just kind of jumped out of my eye, were two. Shots on goal, they were four for both Sevilla and Barcelona. And the corners, nine for Barca and two for Sevilla. Now, the only reason I bring this up is with the possession that we had at 64%, I mean, obviously, we're always dominating possession. With only four real shots on goal, I mean, you break that down into minutes, right? <laughs> yes. that's, that's 25 minutes almost for every shot, essentially, you know? And that is brutal. And and when you count, you, you have four there, right? So let's yeah. count them. The first one Luis Suarez had in the minute two that was very yeah. easy for the goalkeeper. Yeah. It was like whoever was there could uh, grab that ball. Sure. And then the two free kicks from Messi, I guess, are the, the other two. And yeah. and which one's the other one? Maybe Rakitic kicking yeah, the Rakitic ball from the, from the right outside of the box. So th those are the four shots, right? On goal, yeah. at, at least. On goal. Because we had uh, one from Suarez in, in the very end of the game that could have done, it could have been better that, that went just over the, the crossbar. But it's it's that lack of directness, right? Like they're just not kicking the ball on goal. So it's hard that way to to really score if you're not even not even trying. Get, trying. Yeah, it's it, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's frustrating sometimes because I see like uh, I saw a couple of plays when Griezmann, uh, uh, for example, could have just okay, let's kick it. No, he would try to go back and try to yeah. uh, pass the ball back to Messi, and so that's it's it's frustrating. 
Yeah, it is frustrating. And you brought up a point, you know, I, for the corner kicks for me is another issue because those are opportunities now where you really have to take advantage. And, you know, we've seen it before under Pep where it was just all short. And I understood that idea. Yeah. But at the same time, we have to mix it up. We have to have some set plays in there because with our height, you know, we can put in long lay, we can put in Busquets, we can put in PK. We need to have a little bit more creativity. And I, I think this is one of the most frustrating things that I've I've seen so far with Kiki Setien is that, I just thought there was going to be more creativity and more 4-3 games instead of a 0-0 and I almost fell asleep type yeah. of game. Yeah, yeah. It's expectations, right? You're yeah. expecting something different to happen and they're just crossing the ball as a regular corner kick all the time because you can do it. But if you have nine, like you said, you can maybe or on two or three, you can try a different play to see what happens. Especially, like you said, you have those those three guys that you mentioned that are really tall, but you also have Vidal, who's, who's good at, at these type of moments. Uh, Griezmann is good, too. Suarez is good, too, on, on there. So you have a team that can do different things on a corner kick. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, they, they have different plays to to set up and 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 they have time to do it that's that sure. that this uh, these are the type of details that with all the time that they had at home just watching the roof or or whatever <laughs> or the cows or whatever Setien yeah. does at his house these are the type of moments that you can take okay let's do one hour a day and let's think about different plays that we can make to see if we can score especially in these type of games when exactly. you know it's 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 been hard to create opportunities but you have a corner kick okay let's do something different so like you said it's they're just not meeting our expectations and and they're supposed to be this creative uh, new coaching staff and yeah. i'm not seeing anything creative about it Yeah. I mean, let's just dive right into it. I mean, I think, you know, reading the news, especially coming from Spain here and then reading, I mean, watching the videos and the reactions and stuff, I think the biggest contention for everyone is just the lineup and the formation that was rolled out. So, you know, I don't know if you knew this. I found this out. The average age of this team was 30.7, the oldest Barca team in history. Okay. That's terrible. That is I know. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at the youngest player at Longley and everyone else over 28, essentially. It's crazy, right? And we just, we touched on it earlier, but, you know, I really thought, you know, after seeing the Valverde and just the, the malaise that was going to happen, I thought that Setin was going to come in and really try to put his thumbprint. And I don't know what's going on. We never know what's going on in the back yeah. rooms and stuff. I don't know if the... We'll see, we'll see it in match day in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think the biggest thing, let's, let's just take the midfield, right? So it's Busquets, Vidal, and Rakitic, okay? When was the last time those three guys did a 1v1 on purpose? No, no. You know, it's this is... No, no. It's, it's the only <laughs> one that can do that, maybe Rakitic in his best times, but okay. not, not right yeah, now. Yeah. Like, he could be that guy that maybe goes by one or two and, and then gives the ball to somebody else. And, yeah. and Rakitic does this, that he likes to to get that ball through to, to Messi or to whoever. It's, it's right outside the box, and he's very good at this type of play. But on, on one, 1v1, no, that's not going to happen. He's not he's not Xavi. He's not Iniesta. He's not Coutinho. He's not uh, Neymar. Yeah, yeah. He's not these type of players that you know that can can do something different to get, to get away uh, from a defender. I always bring this up because I was not the fastest player. But the one thing that always made me nervous, it wasn't someone that was taller than me or more physical than me because I knew I could match them some way. Mm -hmm. It was the player that was the like way faster than me. I was always getting nervous because I didn't want to get burned. 
And there's no one in this midfield that strikes the fear in any defense. The only reason Leganes played five in the back is because they were playing to conserve the point. It wasn't because they were scared of our midfield. And with Sevilla, I mean, you saw, we barely did anything. We just move it side to side with nothing, with no directness, with no occasion on goal. And when you, like, I was rewatching some of the highlights and it's like, I just, I don't, I don't even realize what this team is trying to do. Are they trying to score goals? <laughs> Are they trying to score goals or just to keep yeah. the ball, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, you get that feeling when, I mean, I liked, like I told you in the in the postgame, I liked the first half, especially the, the first 30 minutes. I think I, we saw a guy, that, uh, a team that was pressing up, that was trying to do something different in that regard, that was recovering a lot of balls, that was pressing Sevilla. But then you get to a point when, okay, we have them there. Now it's time to... Now it's time to bite, right? Okay, we have them right there. They're in the corner. It's it's time to kill. Just yeah. going through. The, I don't I don't see that instinct from this team, right? It's just like they and we see and we see it with the with the fullbacks with with the right back and the and the left back, and maybe Alba is a little bit more direct, but I'm I just see a guy like Semedo and he's so fast. He should be trying all the time to just get to that finish line and cross the ball back or do something different, kick the ball. I don't know. And we get to a point when we just see people trying to play, trying to give the ball to Messi. Okay, Messi, figure this out, score yeah. goals so we can play uh, more relaxed. And then, and, and we talked about it and I talked about it with Mariana. It's like, it's the messy effect sometimes, right? Like sure. in these type of games, you're like, okay, I, I, I don't want to miss the ball, right? I don't want to be blamed for a current attack. So I don't want to miss the ball. That's the first thing. And I don't want to not pass the ball to Messi, right? Yeah. So, and, and it's it's that feeling sometimes. And I, it, it happened with Braithwaite this week. Like we were talking about, uh, oh, not this week, this game. Like we were talking about uh, Griezmann. I saw so many times Braithwaite just trying to get the ball, doing these diagonals for nothing. And it, yeah. it's frustrating. And these are the type of balls that midfielders should should get through. Like you remember Xavi and Iniesta, how good they were just reading reading those those movements and getting that ball through and putting uh, attack uh, attacking players right in front of the uh, the other team's goalie. So that's something that we're really missing from this Barcelona team. I mean, I have a couple things to to add to this. I mean, the four four two system, fine, I'm fine with it, but do not put Messi as a forward. That's that's the thing. I feel if you're going to use a four four two. Use a diamond-shaped midfield, put Messi up top as a number 10, and all of a sudden you still have the two forwards up top. Putting him as a forward, all of a sudden you have Suarez and Messi who are not backtracking. No. I mean, you saw after 30 minutes, they didn't backtrack at all anymore. And so, again, it's it's the formation with the players we have. It's just, it's just very frustrating because we watch it. We see it. Nothing's happening. We've seen this for the last two years. And I, I just think, you know, I, to me, it's not a surprise. It's, it's, it's something we've been seeing for the last two years with this erosion, with the, with the age of our team, the speed that's lacking there. And the other thing is, you know, why is Suarez playing a full 90? That's yeah. That's, that was the other thing we, we, uh, he took Braithwaite out after Braithwaite didn't play a minute against Leganes and Suarez who play, who played that game, yeah. Played the entire 90 minutes and we know he's not in shape. We saw yeah. it. We saw that he wasn't in shape uh, or soccer shape. Let's put it this way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, it's frustrating, especially having a, a guy like Braithwaite and, and, and it could be Braithwaite, it could be Ansu Fati or whoever there that, that really, sure. that 
they're more intense, right? And you need yeah. intensity in these type of games. I know Suarez brings you something different. He's he's always bothering defenders. He's doing this and that, and and he opens space. I I understand that, but. 60 minutes was fine, right? Like, especially after yeah, exactly. uh, him coming back from, from an injury, I thought, okay, just put Griezmann for Suarez and just leave Braithwaite because he was doing a, a, a good job, I think. I mean, we, it, it happens a lot, like I said, with, with the player. Whoever they put on that left wing uh, somehow gets lost, right, in, in the system yeah. because the, the ball gets there and, and, and you're, you're more there not to... Not to be in, in Jordi Alba's way, right? That's that's the main point of, of being a, a left wing in this Barcelona era. Not to be in the in the way of, of Jordi Alba trying to, to do something on that side. So it's I mean, I, I sometimes I, I don't understand the rotations, right? The same with Busquets. We were talking about it. Like why is Busquets playing 90 minutes? Why is Suarez playing 90 minutes in this game after the, they just played uh, three or four days ago? The, and and I don't have the answers. I mean, I would, yeah. I would have, I would have liked to see Ansu Fati playing in this game, for example. Sure, sure. I mean, or, that's my, yeah, or, that's that's my next point. That's or Ricky yeah. Puch playing, but yeah. more minutes. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just frustrating. Yeah. Before we get into the sub part, I mean, again, you have to realize. That, again, I cannot emphasize it enough. The four-three-three system is a very difficult system to play as a midfielder. You have to cover so much ground. You know, you think of any other system, you usually have four or five midfielders. You know. Javi Iniesta made it look so easy, you know, the way they were able to move. And the picture you sent me on, on Twitter where it's just a flat five like that and no triangles, that's part of the problem. When you watch them play, there's no dynamic triangles. There's never movement like there used to be. And that's, again, these midfielders are not meant for this 4-3-3 system. Now, I just want to touch on, like you just said, with the subs. So Ricky Puj came in for Rakitic and he played two minutes. <laughs> Artur came in for Braithwaite. He played 27 minutes. And Griezmann came in for Ridal for 13. My only contention is if you're going to, like I always say, if you're going to make a sub, do it with at least 15 minutes or more. Because yeah. with Ricky Puj coming for two minutes, what, what's that? What's that? What's what, what's going to do? Nothing. You can't do anything in two minutes. And the other thing is Griezmann for Ridal. Vidal wasn't doing anything all game long. What, what are you going to lose putting in him Griezmann for 20 minutes? You know, yeah. at least he might try to do something right it's you know like for example i always take like your baseball analogy with the two minute thing it's like you warm up you warm up you warm up and you pitch one pitch and you're out <laughs> it's like you yeah, didn't yeah. do anything right so again we, we have these questions not only with the lineup but the subs you know especially after the previous game where he sh he showed five subs and he did it in a good way and we were just hoping that messi would get more rest right yeah. now messi has now played three games of 90 minutes And he's going to keep playing. Yeah, he, we know he doesn't like to rest, right? He's that type of player yeah. that's it's very hard. And Luis Enrique found a way and Valverde, they found a way or, or well, most uh, Ernesto Valverde found a way to really convince him. Okay, let's play 60 minutes or let's just play the last 30 minutes. And, and that was something good that Valverde did sometimes. And especially with Messi's injuries all, all these years. But like you said, You you said that the, the average was what thirty one years or thirty years or something thirty thirty point seven. Why not bring some youth to this team earlier in the game? Like especially Ricky Puch. We saw what he did against Leganes when whenever he came on. It was the only guy that took the ball. Okay, let's let's try to be direct to the other box, and and yeah. he was that guy. And then when you put him in these type of situations with the game zero zero minute eighty eight. He's not going to get the ball and try to 
score or something. He'll do something crazy. He's gonna who's he's gonna look at Messi and say, okay, okay, here we go. Give the ball to Messi and see what see what happens. So it, it comes back to the rotations, right? Who's coming on? Who's coming off? And and who's playing or who's getting more minutes? And I think these young players should be getting uh, these type of minutes, especially with this uh, different crazy season that we're watching, playing every three, four yeah. games. You have to give some minutes or more minutes to these type of players because then if something like this, like whatever's happening with Frankie the Young happens to another player, you have the next guy ready to go. And that's that's just something that is I'm not seeing. It. And I don't know if, if Setien was scared to just put him uh, earlier and then them having not, not a good game. They not, they don't have a good game. So I don't know if that was part of the thing, just scared of that they couldn't be at this level against Sevilla at Sanchez sure. one. But I mean, you have to take the shot, right? It's not yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're tying the game. It, it was, it was pretty even at some point and you have the, the last 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Let's give it a shot. But it's, I hate, and I hated this from Valverde too. The late subs, right? Like, yeah. if you're losing or if you're tying, no, you you saw it. It it hasn't worked for sixty minutes. Let's change it. Let's do it. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. And I hated that from Valverde, and I'm seeing the same thing from Setien. So it's it's like a continuation from the sure. from the other process. Sure. I mean, this this goes to my next point. I mean, we should go with the youth, right? I mean, yeah. we've seen with the veterans now that. It's not exciting. It's not the type of football we want to see. And it, more importantly, it's just not yielding the results. So why not go with Ricky Puig and Fatih and starting with them and just using them in the full 90? Because to me, at least Fatih and Puig are going to be more direct. Yeah. They're going to be more aggressive because they're more green, right? They don't know what to do. And to your point before, if it was Ramon, if they were playing at the Ramon Sanchez Pizuan with people, I would say maybe. Okay, but since there's nobody there, it doesn't have the same effect. Yeah, you're just playing like in a training ground. Those guys could have handled it. And I want to see more push because, as you can see, when he comes into the game, he's an A to B person. He's just going up the line and trying to go through the to the attack. And we need that energy because all of a sudden he plays off Messi. Messi feels comfortable with him, and then hopefully they can touch up with with Griezmann. But this is the thing, you know. I think this goes more importantly to the planning of the team. You know, in the last four years, especially. We're picking players of big name, but not players that are fitting the system or the style. We're going with real youth, you know, like with Coutinho, one year and gone, right? Hmm. Griezmann, you know, he's on the team now, but I didn't want him on the team because I just didn't think he was a typical Barca player that could fit our system, especially with Messi. And you're seeing that now. Now, that's part of the problem. Like, we need to have some youth. That's why we always talk about the promotion from La Masia, that type of thing. I mean, again, I cannot emphasize, emphasize enough. Playing Fatih and Puj, I think, will give this everyone the fan base energy to watch, and they'll be behind. And if they fail, it's fine, but at least they're getting the time and the minutes. I'd rather, at this point, go with these two guys and fail than continue watching the garbage that I'm watching <laughs> with the veterans of this midfield. You're sick of Vidal, Rakitic, and Bukhet, oh right? Gosh. But th here's the thing. Especially this is the season to really try things out. Like, you have the excuse quote unquote, yeah. because, okay, they're tired. They just played three or four uh, days ago. So let's give them a rest and let's give the young guys a shot to see what they can do. And and, and hopefully they do this on, on Tuesday against Athletic Bilbao. Maybe give 
uh, Fati should be starting that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Ricky Puch could be starting that game, especially not having Frankie the Young there. So I don't understand. Sometimes we we should bring Satien here and, and ask him all these <laughs> questions. Kike, what are you doing? Why are you doing yeah. this and not that? Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing is yesterday I was watching the Athletic Bilbao Betis game and they just looked like they were playing warp speed compared to Barcelona. Just the directness, the back and forth, the sweat that they were actually <laughs> doing, you know. I just feel like Barcelona is just so comfortable with the way they just want to keep possession. I understand that. But the same thing is try to make goals. Like that's the thing. We got a question from one of our patrons, Mark Lemke, and he asks – what needs to happen in September, October to help give us a boost? And then on, on top of that, how bad is the financial situation with Barca? So obviously linking that with the with the with the transfers and so forth. Again, we've seen it on on, on Twitter. Martinez, Neymar, <laughs> but they're not gonna fix the problem. No, 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 no. I mean Neymar or Martinez are okay, are great to have for the for the future and or, or for the present and future uh, of this team, but that they're just too expensive right now, right? Yeah, and exactly. even though we had good news this week with Neymar having to pay Barcelona back like a couple million, six, six or seven millions, I don't remember. Yeah, but that's that's not, that's not going to solve the problem, right? We know we know we have to sell uh, somebody. I guess I don't know who is going to be because uh, I guess <laughs> nobody wants Coutinho. He's injured, so he's going to be coming off of an injury. They're not gonna sell Griezmann. They're not gonna sell Suarez. They're not gonna sell Messi. They're not gonna sell Busquets. They're not. They might sell uh, Rakitic or Vidal, but they're not gonna get a lot of money. Okay. Stemedo was one of the names that was out there, but like like we talked about here on on the post game show, I liked him when he's on. I liked him more than Sergio Roberto playing the right back. Uh, Sergio Roberto is a guy that is not gonna get out of Barcelona. He's gonna end up his yeah. career there. So. There's literally nobody to sell or nobody that will really uh, be attractive for other teams sure. to really expend, spend that money, especially in this financial situation. It's not just Barcelona. It's a, it's a global thing. Yeah, teams, yeah, for sure. For teams sure. are not going to invest the same amount of money that, we're, that we were watching in, in the last couple of years that we were like, what? They paid $60 million for uh, Jovic? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's not going to happen again. So my answer for this, if I were the sporting director, I would do this and this would excite fans and also save money. I would just make Puj the outright almost starter coming in. I would make Fati the starter. I would bring Todibo back. Yeah. I would bring Cucurella back. And I would make Dijon the starter in yeah. over Busquets. And you have, I think, you have Alenia too coming back. So Exactly. And all, there you go. And Alenia I would bring back as well. So with those moves – not only is it not going to cost that much, right? Because you're just bringing players back and yeah. hopefully you can sell Coutinho or something like this. With that, all of a sudden, you transform the the age of the team from 30.7 to 25.5 or something like this, you know? But also, it gets the fan base excited because all of a sudden now you have this new wave of youth coming in. That's They just need the confidence and also they need you know, the permanence that they're going to play, right? This yeah. is the thing. We need to wipe out this old guard. You know, we need to maybe scout another La Liga player, like a Rakitic style. That's not a top tier player, but a really good depth player at young. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's where you're going to get the savings, not from Lataro Martinez yeah. and Neymar who cost over hundred mil. I like your ideas, but I'm going to be the pessimistic oh. one here. Okay. This year, it's going to be the last year of Bartomeu's uh, presidency, yep. right? So yep. he's, you know how these guys are. It's, yeah. It happens in politics, in sports, and it happens in politics in the normal life, right? In their last year, they have to do something really great 
actors so they go out or or they try to get uh, their guy the statue yeah the statue yeah, yeah, yeah. so you I, I like your plan i mean that that would be awesome and that would be refreshing right for for barca yeah. fans and for the for the team itself but at the same time i see bartomeo and the way he behaves and i'm like i'm sure he's going to bring somebody It's going to yeah. be Lautaro or it's going to be Neymar or who el yeah. whoever they, they pick, but they're going to bring somebody. I'm pretty sure. And I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's just the feeling that I get from, from the way they've been acting in the last couple of years. So I, I hope they do what you just said, because I will, I will, I will rather watch that team, that young, uh, that younger team and still yeah. learning and, and figuring out a system, maybe going, going to a three, five, two with, with five midfielders, with all that young talent there and see what happens. But I, I get the feeling that it's just not going to happen under Bartomeu's watch. Maybe it happens in a couple of years from now. Yeah. Well, let's finish off. We got two last things. So I would say the only bright spot of the game is Ter Stegen. And I would say the only bright spot so far, you know, I mean, he's, the most consistent uh, goalkeeper in La Liga. He has posted four straight shutouts. If he gets the next one, it'll be a record for him in, in a Barca jersey. And again, you know, whenever the, you know, when the other team only has those two or three shots, he's making the save. And that's, I don't know how to describe it as uncalculable, right? Like the way he's able to come up with those saves, because, you know, usually when we're away, our form is not that good. Right. And he made some classic saves on Friday night And he just continues to be the rock. And I haven't, you know, again, we talk about his past distribution last time where he broke the record for accuracy. And he just continues to do that. Unfortunately, when he distributes the ball to the midfield, the <laughs> midfield just lets the team out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I always, every game, I'm just waiting for the Ter Stegen save, right? And and this, yeah. I didn't have this feeling in the, in the other Barcelona eras, right? We knew sometimes... Other teams wouldn't even be close to to kicking the sure. ball to to our goal, right? But with these teams, I, I'm just waiting, and I know Ter Stegen is gonna save the team at least once every every yeah. game. And that's, I mean, it's good that we have him, but it's it it talks about our our defense too. Like we're yeah. all, and and it was you said it was a the fourth straight clean up sheet, but it's not a, a great defensive. Uh, performance yeah. by the team that it's just not allowing the other teams to even get close to the to the box but because we saw it against Mallorca Takikubo had a it was it was going to be a beautiful game a beautiful goal yeah. I'm sorry and Ter Stegen was there we, we saw it against Leganes too and Linglet saved the ball right there under the under the line and and, and Ter Stegen had a couple of saves too and we saw it against uh, again against uh, Sevilla with the, that left hand that came out of nowhere and sure. it's just plain reaction. And, and we're glad, I'm glad we have him. And I'm, and I'm I know he's going to be the captain of, of the future for, because of the way that he behaves, but it's, it's a little worrying too sometimes, right? Like they get so much to, to Ter Stegen, but I mean, his, would, would you, would you put him as the best goalkeeper right now in the world? Ter Stegen? Uh, I would put him, I put him top two. I, I, to me, it's, it's depends what you want. Are you looking for, the typical goalkeeper that's going to keep clean sheets and physical and stuff, then you have to take Oblak, right? And if you want the new keeper of football today, of modern football, yeah. then Ter Stegen's your guy. Yeah. I mean, obviously people are going to say Allison and the guy from Man City, who I can't remember his name yeah, right now. Ederson. Ederson. But Ter Stegen to me is just, just more fluid. He's a better shot stopper. I just don't really trust Brazilian goalkeepers. <laughs> I just, I don't, <laughs> that's just my... <laughs> 
<laughs> that's just my thing. <laughs> Ever since uh, my first introduction to Brazilian goalkeeping with Tafarel, mm -hmm. you know, he wasn't that good. He was always the the worst player on the team, you know, and then going from each team. But anyway, I mean, those guys are obviously good, but I mean, I'm picking Ter Stegen because I like a modern football keeper, you know, but if I'm a more conservative team, then I would go with Oblak because Oblak is, is a better shot stopper than Ter Stegen. But I mean, you're, I mean, you're very, very, very close. Yeah. Minuscule. Yeah. yeah very close. Um, the last thing I want to talk about that happened today that they were obviously, since I live in Madrid, I'm going to have the kind of Madridista point of view because obviously the news that I watch is obviously skewed that way. But, <laughs> you know, PK after the game made some comments, you know, he was doing the after, after game interview that they do with uh, with the TV. And he basically did a little reverse psychology saying that he doesn't think they're going to win the league. Um, also just kind of talking about how the referees uh, always give advantages to Madrid with the VAR and so forth. So over here in Madrid, obviously they were talking about PK is trying to influence the referees to try to get better calls for Barcelona. And also that was another point of contention was that Barca was complaining about the refereeing decision and the VAR decision in Sevilla. And of course, you know, come on. You know, score some goals. Don't don't just rely on the refs. And that's that's the thing. But obviously, PK, they said that it's uh, reminiscent of 2012 when Pep Guardiola did the same thing in his press conference, trying to use a little a reverse psychology on Real Madrid. Yeah, it's it's this debate. They they love it right in Spain. The of referees, course. Barcelona, Real Madrid, whatever. Yeah. What I see from the outside, uh, taking away my my Barcelona feelings, sure, is that they always. The, the big teams always get away with stuff, right? And it happens with Real Madrid and it happens with Barca. We just saw a couple of days ago, like they gave Messi a penalty kick that wasn't really a penalty yeah. kick, right? And and I didn't see Piquet complaining back there. So you, you have to you have to remember and I understand the feeling that he gets because he, he he's trying to to create this type of idea that they're gonna try to help Real Madrid to win this La Liga but Barcelona had it in in its hands right like if yep. they won the all the games that, that they were left they were gonna be the champions and and that's that's the that's the main thing so I don't want to call it an excuse but I I think they should focus more on their game let's put it that way they should forget about the referees if 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 they help Real Madrid in other games fine if you win you did your job and that's it and and that should be the the first the the priority for this group to really focus on trying to get back to your level to see if you can win uh, all the games that are left to see if you can get a, ch a chance to to be a champion so that's that's my point i think they they help quote unquote uh, the the big teams not only sure. in spain it happens, yeah, it happens yeah, of course. all the time it happens everywhere and we saw it with Brazil in, in the Copa America the, the, against Argentina. We, it, it happens a lot. It's yeah. it's hard, and we saw it in, in the even in the in the Sevilla Betis game. I remember that, that that penalty kick that that Sevilla had. If if it, if it's for Betis, that maybe doesn't happen, right? Sure, it's sure. just you you get that feeling that the the biggest team always gets gets away with stuff. I, I don't remember the last time that the the VAR was was wrong. Uh, and for the the team that it's that has less money, I, sure, I, it sure. just doesn't happen very often. So it's 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 gonna happen. And and, and Piquet, we know Piquet, right? He always he always likes to go to this route and and trying to get the the Madrid uh, media uh, crazy and 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 all over the place. But the the main point for us, for Barca followers, is that the team's not playing the way that we want. Yeah. So that's that's what we should focus on. I think.
I mean, that's what that's what usually you do, right? You try to raise the alarms on other things so people focus on those things and not actually what's the problem, right? And that's that's what's happening. PK is, you know, like you said, PK loves to stir the bee's nest here in Madrid yeah. with his comments and all his things. And again, it's just what he loves to do. So uh, who do you got tonight? Uh, Real Sociedad, Real Madrid. Who do you think? What do you think is the score going to be? It's going to be 2-2. I want to see goals. Uh-huh. That's 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 what I, I like when, when they score goals. I don't know. I saw, I watched the, I rewatched the 1-1 one, one tie, I think it was, on, on at Bernabeu. Uh-huh. And I rewatched, and I, I didn't watch live the Copa del Rey match when, when yeah. Sociedad beat him. And that was just a crazy game, right? Yeah. Um, but the thing is that same Real Sociedad that was coming on so great and yeah. it's not the same team right now. So that, yeah, that's course. my only worry. And and my own, my my other worry is after this, Real Madrid doesn't really have a lot of tough, I know. tough games. Yeah, yeah. So this is like our last hope. Yeah, yeah. Even though they probably go and and blew a game against whoever at Valdebebas because that's what they do. <laughs> but and they've done it the entire season, just losing games that they should be winning five zero at Bernabeu. But the thing is we get the feeling that this is the sh- chance to for them to tie or lose and hopefully that that's what happens. So I'm going with a two two game. What about you? I want to see a three nothing win for Sociedad. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing for Real Madrid, right? Nothing for Real Madrid. I just want. <laughs> I I I just love this midfield of Sociedad so much. Yeah, they are just so much fun to watch, and I I just hope that they're able to bring their A game. I I just think it's you know this is one of the reasons that you know not playing with a crowd hurts you. You yeah. know, I think if it was in Sociedad with the full crowd, I think. Madrid has no no shot, you know, because that just gives that extra. And like you said, in the Copa del Rey, Sociedad's killed them. I mean, killed them. I mean, made their defense look like Swiss cheese. And I and I just hope that, you know, these previous games that Sociedad played were kind of like the pre preseason to this match against Madrid. And so that's mm-hmm. what I hope. Like, yeah, hopefully. Like you said, Madrid doesn't have any tough games after that. So uh, next game for Barcelona is Athletic Bilbao. Yes. And that's going to be complicado, as always, because... <laughs> Well, the good thing is is at Camp Nou, which which uh, Bilbao at Camp Nou, it's it's not that hard. Uh, oh, it hasn't been lately, right? Because yeah. we, we know that I mean Bilbao was the team that kicked us out of the out of the Copa del Rey, even though that wasn't the worst performance of. of yeah, but you know, you know funny that you say that. I I don't think it doesn't matter the venue anymore. I mean, just from watching the games, it doesn't. Well, not, I mean, I'm not talking about the venue or the fans, but the pitch. Like, okay. like it's it's a little wider, so yeah, yeah, you have more sure. space for Barcelona. That that would be the only yeah, yeah. advantage. I mean, we just need some wingers to fill out that pitch. You know, that's well, the- <laughs> Fati. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, obviously, with Bilbao, you have Iñaki Williams, and you know, I was watching their game. And again, they're the typical Basque team, right? Physical in the air, strong. They have Raúl García, who loves to pick a fight with Barca and Madrid and he's going to be there. And yeah, it's going to be a tough match. And, you know, I, man, I mean, from what I, I really hope, like we've been talking about, if he goes youth, I think then we have a real good shot of, of getting some major goals and some points. But if we roll out the same lineup, I just think it's going to be more of the same zero, zero, one, one. Well, hopefully it's a, it's a win one zero. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll have this podcast out next week where we'll do the review of the matches going forward and obviously catch us on Patreon where we do our post game and Mariana's videos. Barca Talk is a production of Sounded Media with social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Vizca Barca.
Sports Social Podcast Network.